Brethren, will you please direct your attention to the LAO of Rubicon Lodge, our DEO, Brother Gerald Fish. Good evening, all. Good evening. Again, uh, I won't drag this out too long. You've already heard most of it, but again, thank you all for joining us. This is fantastic at the beginning of this year. Worshipful Franks and I had this idea for the Rubicon Lecture Series. We wanted to be able to see exactly this sort of thing, to bring in exciting guest speakers to our lodge, to bring brethren from around the region in, to uh, join together and, and all learn together. So, without further ado, I will introduce Brother John Majorowski, um, as you heard earlier, a member of Fulton Lodge of Delta, Ohio. Up there, so I didn't forget. Probably, yeah, <laughs> no, I can just read from it. He's uh, a <laughs> of the uh, Valley of Toledo, uh, Scottish Rite, Zenobia Shrine. You'll see him out there in the uh, one of the finest looking Jeepsters you'll ever see, and uh, as well as his uh, York Rite involvements and uh, the uh, SRIC, SRICF, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, don't worry about it. A lifelong aficionado of the unexplained aerial phenomenon. You should have seen him. He was a little kid there out in the yard staring up at the lights, and he said, what? He's right. And he has spent the last 35 years, at least, with his head in the clouds and his feet on the ground, following all of this for us. And without further ado, John, I'm going to let you take Thank over. You. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate it. First of all, I want to say thank you guys so much for coming out. I was brothers from Full Lodge. Appreciate you making the trip. <laughs> thanks a bunch. And everybody else and the new guys, Rad, thanks for being here. Um, tonight's going to be fun. It's going to be interactive. This is, um, like Gerald said, I've been doing this for a real long time. My Uncle Tom's sitting here. Uh, so he, he's been he's known me since before I was born. So he, he can probably validate a lot of the stuff that I'm going to say. Uh, probably a lot of bullshit. But we're going to make it happen. Uh, it's going to be fun. I actually have been doing this a really, really long time. So about me, I'm a husband, I'm a father. Obviously, I'm a Freemason. I like the hot rod stuff. Uh, as Gerald said, I'm the president of the Zenobia Jeepsters this year. Uh, if anybody wants to join the Jeepsters, we'd love to have you. All you have to do is buy a 1948 to 1950 Jeepster. So. <laughs> Those are <laughs> There's only 14,000 of them ever made, but I can probably help you out. Um, so I like to research everything, and I am writing a book. that will be out one day. Uh, passionate about UFOs, consciousness, historic anomalies. Um, I grew up thinking UFOs were just as real as Wonder Bread. Uh, Tom will tell you, um, because of my dad, ask a lot of questions, a lot, a lot of questions, and I really don't like team sports. No offense, I can't tell you who won the Super Bowl, I don't know who the hell is in the playoffs, none of that stuff, just because this is kind of my hobby, people like sports, this is what I do. So for me, it's always been a hobby, and uh, it's been fun. Lately, it's gotten a lot uh, more interesting. So what we're going to talk about tonight, and like I'm going to kind of blow through some of this stuff, obviously there's going to be a lot on the screen, and I'm not going to read it all, but if you want me to, slow down. Make as interactive as you want. Raise your hand. Throw something at me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, UFOs. We're going to talk about what are UFOs now called UAPs. How long has this been happening? Who's controlling the narrative and why? Why the sudden reemergence? Why is it all the news? And do Freemasons play any part? And do you care about it or do you want to do anything about it? That's totally up to you. So why UFOs? Like I said, my dad, when I grew up, my dad told me about an experience he had when he was a, teen, he was a teenager. He was working at a gas station and 
somebody pulled up, it was a full service station back in the 50s, maybe early 60s, and you know, you run off up the gas, but there's this giant uh, silver disc blimp looking thing in the sky. And everybody was stopping their cars and getting out and pointing at it. We couldn't figure it out. It was there for a long time and then it took off. We had another experience with some other neighbors that uh, another silver disc flew over the tops of the houses and the streetlights were on the man and right in South Toledo. Um, the guy that was uh, standing next to him, uh, his best friend, Herb, was actually a Zenobia Shriner as well. So it kind of led to that thing where Herb wasn't the kind of guy that would just make something up. So I believe it was real. My dad researched it his whole life. Um, we got into it when I was a kid, and I just didn't think it was anything to be made fun of or tinfoil hat or anything. Personal experience, I've had some personal experiences for sure. We talk about a couple of those. Tom DeLong, if you don't know who he is, we're going to talk about him. He's also a Mason. And kind of into this in history, like I said, history is kind of a big deal in all of this. Uh, that is a picture of something I took with some brothers who may or may not be in this room. So for this whole presentation, uh, this is a really good quote. I kind of want to just start with this. You know, mines are like parachutes. They only really function when they're open. So please keep an open mind. Some of this stuff will probably get out of your comfort zone. But let's see what we can do. So <laughs> this is actually my wife's suggestion, <laughs> level setting. <coughs> so uh, what, does anybody know anything about UFOs? Anybody kind of have a little bit of idea? Yeah, a little bit. Hands, yep, a little bit. Um, all right, so about what year? Anybody know like the biggest UFO event? What year happened or what it was? 1947. Cool. All right, perfect. I can skip about 50 slides. Here we go. <laughs> 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 all right. Seriously, I could, but we're going to go through a little bit here. So personal experiences. This is my daughter, Stella. She was two. This is 2020. We're out in the deck. It was 98 degrees. We're hanging out outside. She said, Daddy, lay down on the deck. She's never done this before in her life. She's laid down on the deck. So I laid down. She's like, right here. All right. So I laid down. She's like, look. And right above us was this thing. Oops. It was this thing right here. It sat in the sky for about three hours. Not only that, another one showed up a little bit later and was sitting in the other part of the sky. I grabbed the neighbors. We grabbed binoculars. I got videos, pictures, all of this stuff. And I wouldn't have saw it if it wasn't for Stella. So check that out. It was there. Uh, this is my family. This is a hilarious picture of my stepdaughter Addison said put a picture of the family in here so I said okay cool this is pretty much our life this is Stella and me and my wife doesn't want anything to do with it and Addison just wants to leave <laughs> so this is actually our, our signing hopefully it's muted when I skip it here so you don't hear everybody yelling about it but I decided to report it MUFON is a national reporting center you can call you can email you can write all the reports and there's people that are trained to observers to this whole list of things they have to go through to be a MUFON um, reporter like an investigator and investigator sightings um, I was smart enough because I've been into this my whole life that I grabbed a screenshot of uh, what was going on these are all the flights in the air there's actually one part of the video that uh, this flight Southwest flight 2214 flew right in front of it so we know about the elevation what time what happened this thing just bouncing around hanging out in the sky for a long time MUFON told me it was a weather balloon. A stationary weather balloon. Yeah, two hours. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more. This is my uh, YouTube channel, uh, podcast. I do this for fun. I started doing this actually right in 2020. My whole life up to this point, I was told and I knew that people talk about this stuff. You had to visit. Somebody would show up to your house, take your tape, tell you to quit talking about it. It's natural security and quiet. I figured at this point, if I got in front of everybody and they just kept talking about it, the worst I could do was come talk to me. <laughs> I didn't care anymore. I figured I'm just going to do it. I've been doing it my whole life. I'm not going to be scared. 
Um, I was in an episode. I was in an edition of Shadows of Your Mind magazine. This is a UK-based magazine. They thought it was the coolest thing ever that I was a Freemason and talk about UFOs. Apparently, there's not a lot of bunch of brothers out there talking about UFOs. They thought it was one of the coolest things, so they put me as a feature in their magazine uh, a couple months ago. <coughs> I'm actually a centerfold, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm page 69. So, <laughs> this is uh, one of the quotes. That, I don't know, some of these guys you might know. There's probably a couple of you guys in here, but this was taken in an outdoor review that we did. And, uh, I don't know why I popped that quote on there, but we talked. Uh, for about three hours and they put a bunch of stuff in here that I said, nothing bad, it was really good. A lot of people were interested in masonry, but this was a lot of people were like, oh cool, I'm a mason, I don't know what that means. And, but there's a lot of other brothers out there. Scott Walter, he's the host of America on Earth. I don't know if you guys have seen that on the History Channel. Great guy. He's a brother, um, talked to him many, many times on and off the record. This is one of the things to do on a tour in uh, Scotland about the Knights Templar, the Holy Grail, and the truth behind the Da Vinci Code. They just did that part in there, but there's a lot of cool artifacts and discoveries he's made. With Haley, his research partner, she's awesome too, um, in Scotland that they're just now on turning. So they're doing this tour. I think there's still tickets. If you want to go to Scotland for a week and hang out at a castle and go to all these um, Scottish Rite uh, Templar sites that are just now being uncovered. It's really cool. So Scott's out there doing a lot of research and tying this stuff too. Brother Jamie Paul Lamb, another amazing author, researcher, Mason. He's really into Western esotericism and that's a really good guy. We had a video about him, but he's got three books. He's an amazing author on the subject. So UFOs, we're gonna get into UFOs. This, all this stuff started happening under skies, and, and it's been happening forever. It's not just 47. That's what everybody knows about. It's been going on since the beginning of time. The U.S. government started getting really interested when uh, we started dropping atomic bombs. So, yeah, this is the thing. Does anybody believe any of this shit's real? Yes. <laughs> yeah? Okay. How many people don't think it is? Anybody? You can say yes. All right, cool. So, yeah, this is what the everybody wanted you to, to believe, right? That was until... 2020 when the Pentagon actually started releasing videos. So in 2017, these videos were released secretly. Actually, not secretly. They were released, but they weren't officially acknowledged by the Department of Defense until 2020. These started slipping out. These are actual videos that you probably see on TV. They play them on every show now. This other one here came out a little bit. This was in 2021, and so was this one. This one is a ball that falls into the ocean. Nobody can explain them. They changed the name from UFOs to UAP to help release the stigma. UAP is Unidentified Aerial Phenomena now, instead of Unidentified Flying Object. Change the name, change the brand. So conspiracy theorists keep getting things right. <laughs> this is a conspiracy theorist after you know the Pentagon says, yeah, these are real. People like me that have been studying this stuff for our lives and get excited about it. Jacques Vallée, anybody know who Jacques Vallée is? He was the guy, if anybody's seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the French guy that, that was a character that <coughs> Jacques Vallée's been doing this since the 60s. He created ARPANET, which is the basic uh, beginning of the internet. He mapped Mars in the 60s. He's written 12 books. And um, he's a doctor who takes it very serious in the serious study of UFOs. His biggest theory that, um, is that UFOs aren't just something that we're seeing in skies. It has something to do with consciousness. And all people's minds and bodies and, and things are all connected to this. It's not just a crime. Going back in time, this is 1224, St. Francis, Heavenly Seraph. I don't know if you guys can see this from standing in the way or not, but there's a disc thing up here in the sky shooting beams down in. After this, he had stigmata and died two years after. All this is well documented. It's 1224. Valet said that this exact 
recollection of this incident was the same thing that happened in 77 in Brazil, where a bunch of people saw these lights in the sky, these UFOs, were hit with beams, had some type of radiation, and ended up dying. This is a cave from uh, Australia, about 5,000 BC, and here's another installation to St. Edmunds, 1486. See this lovely thing in the sky here, shooting a beam down into a lovely lady's head. So these people were seeing these things in the sky and they're documenting what they were seeing. In the 1800s, there's newspaper articles all over. This is just a couple things going across the sky crashing. This is before flight. Half an hour, things in the sky blowing up, hitting things, uh, all documented in the 1800s. This is supposedly the first known photograph of a UFO, UAP. 1870, people were taking pictures of the clouds in Mount Washington and captured. This is the stereo um, photography, if you guys have seen that kind of old-timey things, it's a stick that sticks out, and you put the uh, uh, picture on it, and you look through this, and it kind of gave me to be 3D. This is 1870, and this is this thing that was way before flight, and nobody knows what that is. It's a cigar-shaped craft. Uh, everybody familiar with Fatima? Miracle Fatima? 19, no, 17. 70 to 100,000 people saw the sun or something like the sun come out of the sky. It was raining, came down, moved a lot all over the place, dried everything up. Uh, There's all of these different apparitions, the Virgin Mary, things like that. Speculated that, you know, in Valet's work, he, he said that you know, it's possible that all these religious apparitions have been around are a result of some type of possible UFO activity. And take it out of the context of religion and look at it in more of a a study sense of what actually just happened. Attributed to religion, but is that what it was? Foo Fighters, World War II. Anybody was in World War II? Any brothers? Nope. Okay, cool. These things were spotted. Thousands of servicemen reported them. Balls of light followed planes around. Both sides. Didn't attack. Moved erratically all over the place. There's a rock band now named the Foo Fighters. But that's what these things are, these balls of light that would just follow planes around all over the place. Ships in and out of the ocean, everybody saw them. Everybody attributed them to the other side. Everybody thought they were Germans or Americans or something, but they were neither. This guy's Chuck Wade, 45 through 48. There's supposedly eight crashes right around New Mexico where they started releasing the first atomic bombs. A lot of stuff I'm not going to read, but basically this guy spent his entire life studying all these crash sites. He's actually got metal samples, all kinds of metal samples. He sent them to independent labs. All of them have really strange properties. Most of the stuff is here on Earth. You can find nickel, cobalt, cadmium, things that are here. The quantities are what's different. He didn't tell these people what these were. He just sent them to the lab and said, show them what they are. He's got lots of books. But basically what it comes down to is here's your Earth isotopic abundance, and then the weight samples are just a little bit out. They don't make sense why they would be that way. He's been doing it for years. He keeps going out in the desert finding this stuff. There's stories, it's not like he just found it up. There's people from the time that said these things happened. Witnesses, people in the military that came forward into their careers and said that they happened, they were part of the recovery. Obviously, they didn't find all of it when they picked it up, so he has it. This new book came out, Jacques Vallée, the guy that I mentioned. It's Trinity, Trinity 45 was the first time we dropped an atomic bomb. It's a test. This avocado-shaped craft ended up crashing. There was uh, two boys that were there. They ended up seeing the craft. They heard something crying from the inside. They were communicating with telepathically. Uh, they couldn't handle it. They went out. The army built a giant roads coming in, in to remove this. They were there for weeks. The boys went up. One of the boys went up into the craft and ripped off this metal bar and took it and hit it for years. 
gave it to the LA in the past four years. There's now a, a scientific analysis through peer review paper. It's going to be coming out this year on that sample. But the correlation here is that 20 miles away from this crash site was the Trinity bomb that we set off in 45. We dropped the nuke for the first time and it worked. And there's a big correlation between that happening and the things showing up in the sky. So former uh, nuclear miss, missile launch officers have come forward. They held a press conference earlier this year. There's books been written about it. Um, basically, they're saying that every nuclear base that they were a part of, these balls of light would show up and disable nuclear weapons. Everything would turn off. They would be there. All the all the protections are sitting there, but none of the nukes would work. Sometimes it would turn on. That was a little bit more more uh, suspenseful. <laughs> they turn it on is one thing. Turn it off is another. They physically couldn't turn it back on. There's all these dead switches that we'd have to do to get special people to show up and turn it back on. At one point, if we wanted to launch a nuke, we could. All of them were off, and that's from all this testimony. Freedom of Information Act documents all these things are happening, and it didn't only happen here in the U.S. In Russia, it happened too. Same thing. So UFOs have a little bit something to do with the nukes. You want to check it out. 47, the only reason we call things flying saucers now is from Kevin Arnold. Anybody remember familiar with his site? Sighting, that's what, it was a huge media sensation all over. It was in 47 right before Roswell happened. He said it was like a saucer skipping across the sky. Coined the term, flying saucers. All right, 47, Roswell. It's a big story, everybody knows about it. I think they know about it. Five different stories the government's put out. It was a balloon, it was a test dummy, and all these things. Basically, what happened was this was the very first atomic um, site base that we had in the U.S. in Roswell. We had the Air Force here that had nukes. Supposedly this thing crashed. Uh, my birthday is July 2nd, and it's also World UFO Day, believe it or not. So I thought that was pretty <laughs> rad. <laughs> so, we got second-hand accounts, we got first-hand accounts. A lot of these guys, before they died, made videos, put them out. Said, yeah, they told me to lie. He's lying. It's a weather balloon. Like they told me to put this up and say this. Because the first story came out and said it was real. So, like I said, 509 atomic bombing, first one, hundreds of witnesses, supposedly two bodies, nine humans were recovered, and they're taking the right path. There's affidavits from the guys who first lied in the beginning before they died. Then in 1950, we started getting these things attack of flying saucers. The narrative started to switch a little bit, starting to get scared. Coming out of the sky in an unknown terror. Anybody seen? The day the earth stood still? <laughs> All right. Here's something interesting. So, CIA Psychological Strategy Board, founded after World War II, um, the guy who was the producer was Daniel Zanuck, ex-military. He's the executive producer. Um, the writer, actually, was ex-military as well, uh, Edmund North, and the director, Robert Weiss, uh, after he was met with all of the people that were actually Consulting on the movie from the military became a believer himself. So basically, we'll get to this again, but this was a test to see how we would take it. Good information, right? Here's kind of the timeline. So we thought the UFOs were German. The US is like, hey, this could be German. We don't know what they are. The FBI joined the investigation. 48 with a thing called Project Sign by the Air Force, and then Project Grudge replaced Project Sign. I love the you know the words that come up with Project Blue Book. Everybody knows about Project Blue Book, probably. 52, right? Replace Project Grudge for UFOs. Anybody know this chick? 
right, everybody's looking here. <laughs> I am. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look at this part. There is a case for interplanetary saucers. 52, they stuck this in Life magazine. It's like the most popular magazine in the US, right? They wrote this article here. Uh, Rupert was the head of Project Blue Book. He came out and said, yeah, there's, they went through like 10 or 12 different cases where they're really, you know, uh, exciting and you know, make people think. But basically, he came through. This was through the government saying, yeah, this is it. One of the rocket scientists working the project said, yeah, I'm completely convinced this is from out of this world. We don't know what this is. But nobody's looking at that. They're looking there. <laughs> 52, the big flap. Anybody remember this? The big flap of the White House, D.C., for an entire couple of weeks. UFOs every single day over the White House, all over D.C. Washington Monument. Washington Monument, you're right. So, big things flying in the sky. They got a radar. They sent planes after them. What the witnesses on the ground? A train witnesses. This was the first time everybody kind of got the fever because remember this just came out and then this happened. Press all over the U.S. Jets told to shoot down discs. Objects over Capitol. What was going on? The, the Air Force called the biggest press conference since World War II to talk about this from Project Blue Book. They got everybody together because people were freaking out and wanted to know what was going on. So they said it was weather aversions, right? Came out and told everybody, it's not a big deal, it's just hot on the ground and cold up in the sky. And that makes the radar be weird. And you can see you crafts and balls floating around. Don't worry about it. And people bought that. There's a thing called the Robinson Panel 53 that came out. This was a secret panel put together to discuss what we're going to do with it, what the government's going to do with it, the CIA panel. It was only released in 75. We only found out this panel existed in 53. In 75, Freedom of Information Act, they came out. Basically, what they told everybody was, we need to tell, the public needs to be educated about UFOs. They're afraid that we're going to jam the switchboards. Uh, people are going to flip out and jam all the switchboards at the time, and it could be Russia doing that. Right? So if Russia decided to fake an alien invasion, jam our switchboards, we couldn't communicate. People would be flipping out. They could use it to their advantage and attack us. So they said the real enemy was hysteria and that UFOs were not a direct threat to national security. And we have to teach and train people how to deal with it. Uh, Diana Pasolka, it's a really great book, American Cosmic, that came out. She is a writer and a professor of religious studies at the University of North Carolina. She was also the chair of the Department for Philosophy and Religion. So this is a great quote. Although the committee concluded that UFOs in themselves didn't pose a risk, they recommended a project of training and debunking, a mass media education campaign enacted with the help of academics, media moguls, to control the public's information about UFOs. You gotta figure this out, you gotta tell people what's going on. They said, we can do this. Um, the Jim Handy Company made all these World War II um, slide reels, through World War II slide trips. They also suggested Walt Disney, this is a big deal. Animated cartoons, businesses, high schools, colleges, television stations. They'd all be more than happy to work with the government to tell everybody that UFOs are nothing to worry about, control the narrative. So what they were trying to do from the Robinson panel from 53 was control this whole narrative of what was going on. So this is when the cover-up started. 66 of the accounting committee basically investigated and said, ah, this isn't worth our time. It's not worth our money. We shouldn't be studying this. There's nothing going on. And it was rigged from the start. And was that 67 the memo came out and said that their science their, their whole study was unscientific and biased they were just trying to close blue that's what happened Continent report was another public impression to tell everybody that UFOs weren't real nothing to worry about here they, they didn't tell everybody there was about 700 cases that blue book didn't account for 
So why? Why are they doing this? We kind of talked about it a little bit. This is a tweet from the CIA in 2014 that said, hey, remember all that stuff that was flying in the sky? That was us. We were, that was the U-2 spy plane. That was just us. We were just trying to keep it quiet. We didn't want you guys to know anything about it. Maybe. Uh, we're here in Ohio. You guys remember the Swamp Gas? 66? Mm -hmm. Anybody around for that? I haven't been to a swamp in Michigan yet. I don't know about you guys. But <laughs> okay. They're there. I've had 140 people. Uh, congressman called for an investigation. They had the largest press conference in the Detroit press club, press club history to do that. People were freaking out. They wanted to know what was going on. J. Allen Hynek was the head of Project Blue Book at the time. They sent him there, and they tried to tell everybody to chill out. This is one of his biggest regrets. He later said later in his life, in his autobiography, said that they made him go up there and say this, that it was swamp gas, that these people were just seeing things when they knew for a fact that they weren't. They were seeing something in the sky that they couldn't explain, right? He wrote a book in 72 that told everybody about the Robertson panel that didn't actually get released until 75. So he kind of slipped it out there. We put it out there because he was embarrassed. <coughs> this is where it gets weird, a little bit weird. <laughs> There's this movie called Mirage Man. It's a great movie. Check it out sometime. It's probably on any of the streaming, streaming, uh, channels you can find, but this guy's named Richard Doty, he, was, he is uh, Air Force counterintelligence. He basically was paid to feed people that study UFOs, um, lies, half-truths, just to see where they were get, what they were studying, what they were getting into, to try to cover up any of the classified programs they were working on. Crazy part about this is some people say that his actions drove Amanda to commit murder or commit suicide. We talked about Doty, he was the, the guy, but basically Doty, you know, he's counterintelligence, so you can take half of this as true or not, but he just is quoted as saying that uh, the, the day the Earth stood still was an example of trying to get the alien message into public consciousness. Paul Benowitz, Paul Benowitz is a guy, he was pretty uh, pretty successful electronics engineer, he had a contract with the government, he worked for the Air Force, he created all these electronic devices, he lived across the street from an Air Force base, and he started picking up these weird signals. What he was picking up was encrypted chatter from the base, but he was able to decipher it. So what he decided to do was tell him that he, that wasn't us. You're listening to ET, you're aliens, you know? Instead of making him stop, they just keep feeding him stuff. They gave him a computer program so he can interpret the signals and all these things. But anyways, it ends up making him go crazy. And he, he checked into three different psych wards, um, pretty much lost everything. And in uh, 2003, he took his own life. So if government and guys like Doty could do that to Benowitz, what's stopping them from doing it to any of us? Absolutely nothing. This is their job. It's counterintelligence. Trying to get you to not pay attention to things that they don't want you to pay attention to. Whether it's their technology or somebody else's. So where are we now? We got all these technological advances, all these cases were studied by every branch of the government, NSA, CIA, US Air Force. What I talked about early on is people started to get silenced. Men in Black. You guys know Men in Black is movie Will Smith and all that stuff. But before that, it was, it was real Men in Black. Um, they would show up, they would take your tape, they'd tell you to shut up or else. Um, then what they try to do is put it in the media and get ridiculed. Everybody, tinfoil hats, you're crazy, you're seeing your men, you're just not normal, right? But then there's civilian groups. They forced, you know, they worked actively for secrecy, and some of these groups sued for disclosure, Freedom of Information Act, things like that. Uh, so I was telling you, this is a black helicopter over my house this year, last year. A buddy of mine's an author, a researcher, came over, 
found out a couple times he showed up and within 10 minutes <coughs> black helicopter showed up and buzzing around hanging out and I filmed it because I thought black helicopters in the 70s these things started showing up at UFO sites alien abduction sites uh, cannabulation sites but that's funny I've lived by the airport my entire life I know the flight path in my own house in Maumee that was going north I don't know what it was but 70 years government's like there's nothing to see here they're not talking to each other none of the agencies get along with each other or talk to each other about anything government's been using disinformation this entire time the American public American public really has no idea what's going on and then in December 2017 all of that changed so what's the secret so there's a complex topic involving cosmology science religion secrecy really strange international partnerships that we're unaware of to deal with some of the most uh, scary things that people think are real or tinfoil, tinfoil hat like we're talking about or the, or the green alien crowd it's real and it's serious so, I know, we're all the Freemasons, John. Right here. <laughs> here they are. Buzz Aldrin, Des Grissom, Gordon Cooper, Edgar Mitchell, all these other guys. Apollo, program, NASA astronauts, Glenn Cooper for 33rds. All these guys are Freemasons. Um, you guys probably all know this, right? That um, Buzz took this flag to the moon, created a, a lodge on the moon, right? So now there's a lunar lodge. You can join it for 200 bucks a year. You can be part of this flag. <laughs> but this, uh, this flag sitting in the museum. So this is kind of where my theory goes. What I've been researching, and Brother Frank's tired of me talking about it. I'm sure Daryl is tired of me talking about it. Never, never, yeah. never. So Brother Edgar Mitchell and Tom DeLong. Square compass. Six man to walk on the moon. Did an ESP experiment while he was on the moon unbeknownst to NASA, and it worked here on Earth. Made strong claims about UFOs. Actually, his hometown is Roswell, New Mexico. Imagine that. Um, at one point, he said there's a cabal of government insiders hiding the truth about the Roswell incident. And then in 73, uh, he founded the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is really cool. This is basically using um, science to figure out consciousness. We're trying to figure out what consciousness is and what role it plays in our physical world. So they're doing a lot of research here. It's a not-for-profit. Basically what they're trying to do is use science to figure out what consciousness is and how it works. The ESP experiment works. There's ESP experiments, psychic experiments, things have been going on forever, and all that kind of ties into this as well. So Edgar Mitchell said they hate white sands with a testing ground for atomic weapons. That's what the extraterrestrials are interested in. They want to know about our military, what we can do. They really don't want us to blow ourselves up, supposedly. One of his great quotes, there's no unnatural or supernatural phenomenon, just very large gaps in our knowledge that we don't understand. I tend to agree. Before he passed, he created FREE, which is the uh, foundation for research into extraterrestrial and extraordinary experiences. Uh, they they wrote a book that just was uh, came out last year. It's massive, it's really good. It's got a, a huge board, Harvard, you know, these, um, different doctors, advisors. But there's two main camps. When it comes to UFOs, we got nuts and bolts, things that blow up, chuck weight on the ground, and we have consciousness. So, nuts and bolts are physical, consciousness is not physical, but free <coughs> with this book came out and all the research they've done is saying consciousness and paranormal and psychic are all the same thing. And it's just a part of this whole field. We got humans here, we got others, classified as others, we don't know what they are, and the consciousness field. And there's this Venn diagram where it all interlaps right now. So, the book's called Beyond the UFOs, The Science of Consciousness in Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. It's a really good book. 
basically saying there's these contact modalities. We can contact these things. We can talk to them. We can all talk to them. If we want to. There's spirits and ghosts. Same thing. Near-death experiences. People have near-death experience sometimes have a greater understanding. Next, see these things after these occur. UFO contacts, out-of-body experiences, lucid dreams, meditation, remote viewing, shamanic dreams, channeling. These are all things that happen in this whole big circle. It's all involved with UFO somehow. It's all tied to consciousness. So, WikiLeaks. Anybody know what WikiLeaks is? Yep. Okay. WikiLeaks. The only reason we know a lot of this stuff is that Edgar Mitchell was emailing John Podesta before he died. He was saying, I, got, I want to have a meeting with you. Um, I want to talk to you about basically extraterrestrial intelligence that they've been, because Edgar Mitchell's been doing stuff since the 70s. They've been trying to create contact. Um, he was working with the Vatican at some point as well. And uh, Tom DeLong also was talking to Podesta. So Tom DeLong's emails all came out in 2016. Hillary Clinton was running for president. Somebody hacked John Podesta's emails and it all got released. We wouldn't know any of this stuff. We wouldn't know anything that hadn't happened because all this was kept under the covered darkness, right? This is Brother Tom DeLong, Blink-182. It's a band, punk band. You might not be familiar with it. Some of you guys might be. He founded that band, and he found another band called Angels and Airwaves, but this is a big rumor. This is one photo of him, right? In Prince Hall Lodge. Uh, number 17, Kansas. I did a lot of research. Talked to a lot of brothers. Finally got a brother that I trusted and knew, Prince Hall, confirmed this. He told me, this is real. This happened. I'm the Freemason. Tom DeLong not only was a, in a big rock band, but he also started establishing incredible businesses. He started some companies and sold them. He started a, a way for other bands to monetize their, their brand and sell money uh, or sell merchandise and other things. Pearl Jam, Nine Inch Nails, he had this, this platform where you create it online where you can go buy tickets and get exclusive things. And It's a multi-million dollar company, so he's not just some punk rock kid. Well, he kind of is, but... <laughs> He got invited to sit Skunk Works. Anybody know what Skunk Works is? It's uh, Lockheed Martin, basically where uh, I think the U-2, all the most advanced biplanes come out of. It's all really hush-hush. He was invited to the first ever picnic in the parking lot to come and introduce the um, head of the company. And he's like, okay, cool, but I want to sit with him for five minutes. And they're like, okay, fine. So he just took a shot. At this meeting, he was talking about, um, they had like five people in front of him, super secure room. They're like, you know, we, we looked into you, you're talking about your phone, you can't anything to do it. And he was just being really respectful. He's like, no, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. Rob Weiss, head of the company, walked in. He's like, listen, we can't talk and be involved in anything to do with that because it doesn't exist. There's no evidence whatsoever. And DeLong said to him, well, if Edgar Mitchell's out, you're telling everybody. Edgar Mitchell's the sixth man to walk in the room. He's telling everybody that UFOs are real and aliens exist and we got a problem. Your guys' story doesn't work. So he just laid it out. He's like, look, the past 30 years, you're programmed to indoctrinate people. The Robinson panel, you guys remember that? It's not working anymore. Uh, young adults in the world, they got the internet, they have phones, they, they talk to each other faster than any other time in human history. Everyone's been running this program since the 1950s. It's not working anymore. It's antiquated. People have surpassed it, and nobody trusts the government, right? So people graduate from MIT or Harvard, they go to work for Elon Musk or Apple. They don't want to go work for the Department of Defense. And he was like, let me help you. Can we change that I plan? So that was his pitch. He was like, look, you guys have been messing this up for a long time. You come have these men and black guys shake people down. You tell everybody they're crazy. What he really wanted to do is create an avenue to get all this information out to the public in a respectful way. And they were like, okay. 
so he started coming up with some really cool things. So how does it happen? Like I said, he talks to Weiss. Then he started meeting, after Weiss hooked him up with people from NASA, the Air Force, all the intelligence apparatus, and politics. So they're like, look, we're going to get together, we're going to put together a team of advisors, we're going to give you all of this information, we're going to dole it out piece by piece to the public, let them be aware of it. Again, we wouldn't know none of this if it wasn't for the Podesta email leak, right? So he was given an advisory team, 10 guys, and they were going to tell him all the stuff he needed to to get out of his books, his films, his podcasts, whatever, to get out to the public. The three people, General William McCaslin, head of Air Force Research Laboratory at Wright-Patton Dayton, supposedly where they took the bodies after Roswell. Michael Carey is the former Brigadier General and uh, Special Assistant to the U.S. Space Command. That was when uh, Space Command was still on the Air Force. And Ron Weiss is like the head of uh, Lunkeet Scott uh, Skunk Work, you know, SR-71. Basically, the rumor is, and it's almost plausible, that Skunk Works re-engineers, back-engineers craft. <coughs> Stuff that Chuck Wade found, other things. Skunk Works takes it and tries to make it a tech, right? So there's memos, there was a Google Hangout with all these guys, <coughs> and emails back and forth to the desk at the time. So these, these guys are real, this happened. So this is the story that long came out with Secret Machines, this first book. Basically he wanted to take out this fictional narrative at the beginning of it and slip in all this true stuff. And that's what he did. He also wrote two non-fiction books. But what, what he wanted to do is just get all the information out and change the perceptive perception that everybody's had for six years that it's been uh, you know, nothing, nothing to worry about. This is uh, Major General Carey. He wrote the foreword to Long's book, Secret Machines. He's like, uh, yeah, it's kind of really serious. And uh, basically Carey comes right out and says, yeah, we're seeing stuff in the skies, we don't know what it is. It's real, it's true. Secret Machines, God's Book One. Um, this was the nonfiction part. Right. I had to throw this part in there because you probably put the <laughs> reference to David Earth stood still here. It's what Jesus had a call to centuries ago. When humans had Jesus, we killed him. So what makes you think we're going to do anything, with anything else that shows up, right? So we still solve uh, problems with violence. And that's kind of what the message really of David Earth stood still was. We shouldn't be doing that, right? That was 1951. That was kind of the message of that whole movie. We still do this. We haven't really learned. So Tom DeLong has said in one interview that he was a Freemason. Like I said, I've confirmed it, but he puts it on everything. Squaring Company. Well, I mean, I mean, we all have this stuff on all of our stuff, right? He just happens to be in one of the biggest rock bands. Uh, he formed this band after Brooklyn 2 called Eagles and Airways, and it's a Square Compass. That's a logo for his band. So basically, the government's giving Tom DeLong this stuff, but how do we trust the government? We haven't trusted the government this whole time, right? Can't. So the origins basically, it's a, 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 this quote's like a choose your own adventure novel. Either everything the government's given him and he's getting out to us is legit and we should listen to it, or it's just the government steering us in a completely different direction. At this point, how do we know? Don't. But I think DeLong figured this out a long time ago. DeLong, when he was touring in the band Blink 182 in the late 80s, you know, the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, up into the 90s, they didn't have the internet and stuff. People just buy books at a bookstore about UFOs and government and researched and read and did this for years, kind of like I did, right? And he started to figure out the Robinson panel. The government's been operating on the Robinson panel since 53. Disney. So it's time to long said, I want to create a sci-fi Disney to tell everybody about UFOs and aliens. That's what I want to do. 
So, this test, the government slips stuff in all the time. The things that we see, ET, extraterrestrial, those kinds of their kind. There's always governmental guys that are consultants on the film. We'll pass some <coughs> truths in there. So, there's, so just a little bit, so it's in our public consciousness that we know, like, oh, that's no big deal. We don't have to worry about it. It's real. This is like three minutes I'm going to play because it's really important. It would take me about 13 more slides if I didn't. Um, but basically, Tom DeLong got all these guys, right? All these guys, his wish came true. They said, look, we're going to do this for you. You're going to be our guy. You're going to get this out. And in 2017, he created this thing called To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. Like I said, it's only four minutes. I have it on mute. So, but, uh, these, so basically, Tom DeLong is just... Tell me have the chance to do something revolutionary. Something that I think has never been attempted before. What about you? You've got to get up and be your room and do whatever, please. Who held senior positions in the U.S. government, from the CIA to the Department of Defense to the most advanced aerospace engineering groups within our national security establishment. People who have life skills in collecting and decoding elusive information. And they all wanted to do something ambitious, something that could help change the conversation about who we are through an unparalleled search for answers that can propel humanity forward. Today we are presenting you with To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science, a public benefit corporation. The first transparent partnership of its kind between the fields of aerospace engineering, science, and cinematic entertainment. A collaboration with global citizens to explore the outer edges of conventional thinking, targeting the mysteries of the universe and using them to help unify mankind. Humanity is clustered around the campfire, surrounded by the shadows of an infinite and cold universe. Tom and the others involved with this enterprise want to take torches, stick them in the fire, go on adventures into those shadows to explore those boundary areas and reveal what's there. What if scientists were given resources to investigate the boundaries of traditional theory? We could finally pull together a unified study from religious scholars, archeologists, quantum theorists, physicists, and even the most advanced aerospace engineers on the planet. The truth of the matter is, we now know in our physics, which has been advancing, that something like warp drive is not out of the question. To the stars represents an opportunity to reach beyond the normal boundaries of aerospace to create products that you can call them revolutionary and have this too mild of a word. I'm very excited about this. I think it's an opportunity for us to take certain topics, whether that's unidentified aerial phenomena or ESP or telepathy, and really get to the bottom of it. Starting as a kid, I've always been interested in the actual forefront of physics, right at the edge. These days, standard mainstream physics is really outstripping science fiction. I was in charge of the advanced aerospace threat that deals with uh, highly sophisticated, unidentified uh, phenomena. In the last 10 years, we've come a long way in our understanding of our place here in this universe. There are physics that we don't quite yet understand. It doesn't mean that they're not real. It just simply means that we don't have the capacity yet to understand those physics. I think we're all frustrated by the fact that our government and conventional science neglects some of the most interesting and provocative and potentially important issues out there. One of the things that we must do is challenge ourselves to stand in the future and look back to the present. That's the key to breakthroughs. That's the key to changing life as we know it. I think it's in our nature to go out and explore it and report back what we see. The fact is, we might not necessarily be alone. These things are real. These things are out there. They've been out there for a long time. They are not the providence of the government or any government in the world. They belong to us. These are things that happen to people all the time. And these are things that we need to explore. And we need, finally, to get together to figure out 
what this is all about. Using state-of-the-art technology, our own advanced research and development programs, and unique storytelling experiences, our goal is to introduce these unconventional subjects and their potential to affect the world positively through a model that innovates, educates, and entertains to present a positive and unifying message to all generations in every country and every belief system that the growth of consciousness that we all desire can start here, right now. And I truly believe now is a time for us to move forward and finally begin to answer some of life's most deepest mysteries. We can either crawl forward or we can take that viewpoint and say, okay, let's leap forward. Let's try to get the 25th century science this century. This is the time that we are inviting you, the public, to help build a paradigm-shifting global movement and to own it with us. Together, we can create a vehicle that pushes us forward, where we can hopefully learn that we are much more special and much more connected to each other than we could ever imagine. We are To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science, a public benefit corporation. So you buy stock in uh, To The Stars, right? Public benefit corporation. And, uh, that's a good loop. Um, I bought stock in To The Stars. I didn't get my spaceship. I don't know why, but... <laughs> Have you ever had the... Basically, um, so Tom Long said he was going to do this. He asked for advisors. He got these guys, and they came out and gave them to him. You guys saw some of those guys on there, CIA. And basically, Elizondo was one of the guys. He quit his job as the head of the ATIP program for the government that was investigating UFOs. He stopped because he wanted to get the message up higher in the food chain to Mattis, General Mattis at the time. And all these people in the middle said, nope, I'm not going to do it. So he got pissed and quit. Thought about the long. Next week, he started working for the long. So this thing happened in 17. This is why we're all talking about UFOs again. New York Times did the front page, December. To the Stars got this out. Christopher Mellon, Lou Elizondo. Lou Elizondo ran the program. He declassified the thing. He got this film out. It was all over the all over the news. This is the thing you see all the time. Anytime you talk about UFOs now on any of the shows, this is it. This is the picture. To the Stars got it out. It took it until, like I said, until 2020. It was finally until 2020 the government came out and said, yeah, these are real. Before that, they just said, didn't say anything about them. They said, we still know what they are. Bill Nelson is now, uh, he's a former astronaut at NASA, and he's like, yeah, I've talked to these Navy pilots. They're seeing stuff. It's not a joke. So Tom Malone got all these, you know, these guys that wouldn't normally be hanging out together, got them all together and got them on board, right? Through his list of advisors. I'm gonna get, my theory's building a little bit here. <laughs> you can kind of see where I'm going with it, maybe. So they did this. They got all these people together. Jim Semivan is the co-founder, he's ex-CIA. He got him out with the law and put these guys together pretty much. He said, this has been going on a long time. This is right from their site. They're appearing over nuclear sites, military sites, carrier task force group. Might be some brothers in here that might know something about that. And they're appearing all over the U.S. and the world. It's real. This is the guy from the CIA talking about it. Talked about Elizondo, who was the former head of the program. On several occasions, he's like, this stuff is not from Earth. I don't know where it comes from, but it's not here. Here's where my theory starts going. Christopher Mellon, it's like, we know UFOs exist. Um, Mellon Carnegie Bank, the Mellon family, prominent Mellon family, you guys heard of Mellon, right? It's Chris Mellon. Uh, he was the former Deputy Assistant, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence for Clinton and Bush administration. He's like, we know this is real. Maybe sees it. It's not the issue now. What he's saying is, what are they? Where are they coming from? What do they want? Right? Now, being all brothers here. See these words in yellow that I tried to highlight a little bit? Everybody, you know, fellow traveler, 
was the last time you heard a non-Mason say, I will never, I will conceal and not reveal that? Anybody ever heard a non-Mason say that? I haven't. I haven't. So this is him on Joe Rogan in, uh, on 5.5, Five, right? And I'm watching Joe Rogan podcast. And I'm watching Chris Mellon because he's talking about stuff. And I've made this little clip. The issue is a weird issue because if you bring it up in the wrong company or at the wrong time, you could be dismissed as a loon. Did you feel that when you were there? Okay, as a person who had a budding interest in unidentified flying objects and, and what have you, did you feel like this is a, a politically risky thing to discuss, especially to discuss like in serious terms, like do you believe in these things? Like, what are they? What do we know? Is what was that an issue? Absolutely. Um, I concealed my interest in the topic uh, for years and uh, very carefully, and confided to a few trustworthy friends. Had a few heart-to-heart talks with a couple individuals when I found a uh, fellow traveler who was interested in this topic. But by and large, uh, absolutely. I uh, wanted to conceal that and, and not reveal that. So, Robbie and I were sitting in my basement yep. when five years, I don't know, 2017, right? 16. Yep. When we first started watching Unidentified, the show that DeLong put out, Unidentified was on uh, History Channel. It's a two part series. It was like two, ser- two uh, seasons. And I saw <laughs> Dave Fravor walk up to a guy and say, Hey, brother, I gotta give him a handshake and a hug. I was like, Robbie, <laughs> what does that look like to you, right? I was right there. He was sitting right next to me. And then Mellon came out. Now, I'm not saying these guys are. I asked Chris Mellon, who was a Freemason, he didn't answer. Imagine that. I said, hey, man, I'm on your side. Let me help. <laughs> let, me, let me help you out. But obviously, if you're Chris Mellon and prominent you are, you don't want to put that out there. Negative or positive, right? Everybody starts finding out that all these guys are Freemasons. Just add more fuel to the fire for them. I like this quote from former president, brother. Theodore Roosevelt, basically, what we all know is Mason's, right? For just the opportunity that men from all walks of life to meet on common ground. We're equal, we have a common interest. These are a bunch of guys from Pasadena Lodge, not California. A bunch of weird-looking guys are all together. This is what happens. I was told a story by another brother of ours. Um, Isaac Demarest told me the story. If you guys were in this car, I want to know. Supposedly there was a bunch of guys from here in the Tilly area that go to Canada. Anybody ever do that to go visit the brothers up in Canada? Yeah? Okay, did you guys get stopped at the border and said, why are you guys all in this car together? You guys shouldn't be together? I was in that car. Were you? <laughs> Seriously. I was driving. Okay. <laughs> I, this is perfect. Isaac told me the story and it was, and they, the, they couldn't believe that you guys should be together. Anybody else? Who else was in there? Uh, yeah. Let's see, Mike Burkett's dead and, oh, uh, Tim Franks. Okay. So all you guys, they, can you tell the story? Because from the way I heard it, was like the Mountie pulled you guys over and like you guys shouldn't know, you guys should not know each other. And you shouldn't be in a car together going to Canada. What the hell's a real story? Is that what happened? Essentially, I mean, it, it, it's not as amazing as that. <laughs> it was, it was, it was an overcast day, and the lines were long going across, and we knew we were late. There was another group of cars that were going over as well. So all of a sudden. They're waving us over to go into this line, and it says Nexus, mm-hmm. and we kind of we kind of waved him off, and he emphatically said, you know, so yes. we went into that line, and when we got up to the uh, to the border patrol agent, what are you doing in this line? We were, we were waved over into this line, right? 
you have to go over and you have to get checked out. They went through my vehicle with a fine tooth comb. Kind of. Kind of. And um, so then we had to go inside and they pulled our IDs and they went through everything and they wanted to know how does a truck, trucker, uh, you know, a financial advisor, uh, pharmacist, and, uh, and a nurse, how do they all, how do they all know each other? What, what's going on here? Why, why are you in the same vehicle? We're dressed in suits. Yeah. Going to a Masonic meeting. What's that? Okay. <laughs> Wait here. About a half hour later. Oh, wow. About a half hour later, all of a sudden, another fellow comes by and he says, so you're going to Amherstburg Lodge? Yes. He says, well, tell the brothers there, uh, I couldn't make it, but to have a good time. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so obviously when we get back into the truck and I know that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be a good half mile away. And I said, you know, they tore apart this truck. And I said, but it's a ridge line. They never asked for the keys to the trunk of the truck. <laughs> we could have we could have had two dead bodies. Skated you on through. But that is awesome. So Isaac told me that story. It's so awesome. Thank you very much for telling that story. But when I saw these guys all lined up, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are they all doing together? And then I realized Tom DeLong's a Mason. Edgar Mitchell is a Mason. Maybe these guys are Masons too. I don't know. Maybe being a Mason and knowing Edgar Mitchell or something at least got him in. It's, it's, my, it's my pet theory, right? Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't matter. It's kind of cool. Either way. So, to the stars. They got that thing on the front page. They've been briefing Congress behind closed doors. They've done all of those unidentified series. And they basically got the UAP task force established in 2020. This is the XCA guy, semi van. Because I don't care what anybody says, it's a story of the millennia. This thing came out and everybody was like, yeah, whatever. This is during the pandemic, right? So this was obviously, let's see, 2020. Pentagon has off-world vehicles not made on this earth. This Eric, Dr. Eric Davis has been a contractor with the government for like 35, 40 years. This came out in the New York Times article. It was buried. Everybody wanted to see the picture of you know, the UFO firing. Cool. But basically, he said this. And then after that, he told him to shut up. He hasn't said anything else like this. But he's vetted. The New York Times had to vet all their sources. Yeah, we have stuff not made from the planet. <coughs> yeah, he said it. So this is another War Zones newspaper. They want to find out that Tom DeLong has got some parts. This thing, piece of a crashed craft to the stars has. Right? They have a contract now with the U.S. Army to figure out if they could turn that thing into a uh, offer of a capability for ground vehicles for the Army to make them invisible, visually. Hmm. Right? They want to take this thing and study it. So To the Stars had a lot of good intentions at the beginning. They raised a lot of money. They didn't raise enough money to do the science they needed to. The Army has the most sophisticated um, microscopes, testing facilities, and other branches of government. So they have this thing called a Creta, they, enter, they entered in with To the Stars, and they're studying this thing. It's layered uh, one to four microns thick. It's like human hair width, right? Real thin. And it's bismuth, magnesium, and there's no way this thing would just, nobody knows what it does. There's theories that it's a wavehertz uh, amplifier, terahertz. If you hit it with terahertz, you could actually make it float. I don't know. I haven't seen any of that. I don't know if we'll ever find anything out about it. So now the Army has it. 
So, like I said, the unidentified, anybody ever watch that show? It's a good show. Unidentified. That was all Navy pilots. Everybody, this is all real. Speaking off time, the one did that. Oh, yeah. And then at the same time, right after that, we had the Space Force, right? That came out right at the same time. Imagine that. It was always there. It was in the Air Force. It just kind of snuck it out, right? So, pilots, we got this is another one. It's a short one. It's two minutes. First time you see it on the radar could possibly be a false track. So then when you start to get multiple sensors reading the exact same thing, and then you get to see the display. That's the Again and again, the pilots were capturing bizarre-shaped objects on their F-18's cameras. Really no distinct wings, no distinct tail, no distinct exhaust. Much like you see in the gimbal video, it seemed like they were aware of our presence because they would actively move around us. Both of us, both airplanes, see a disturbance in the water and a white, 40 foot long, tic tac shaped object just hovering above the water, going forward, back, left, right. There's no rotor wash, there's no wings, nothing. And as I get within about a half mile of it, it rapidly accelerates to the south in about two seconds and disappears. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping pong ball bouncing off a wall. The ability to hover over the water and then start a vertical climb from basically zero up towards about 12,000 feet and then accelerate in less than two seconds and disappear is something I had never seen in my life. I believe, as do the other folks that were on the flight that we, when we visually saw it, that it was something not from this world. It was so unnerving because it was so unpredictable. High G, rapid velocity, rapid acceleration. So we were wondering, you know, how could I possibly find this? That's it. So following us, I mean, individual aircraft. I mean, wherever we were, they were there. So that could mean two things. That could mean they're already there, or they're following the strike group. They weren't following individual aircraft. Um, and of course, at this point, we're, we're like, okay, well. Clearly, there's nothing that we're used to seeing there. So we submitted a safe report saying that there was an unidentified object in our working space, and we don't know what to do. So Ann Dietrich came out. Um, she wanted to retire before she did that unidentified, and she was like a year or two from retirement. She was afraid they were going to take her retirement away from her if she spoke out. The other guys were retired already. That's why they were like, I don't care. We'll talk about it. She wasn't. She was worried about pension because they threatened her. They favored her. Thanks to a brother. Here, I found out that his father was a Zenobia Shriner. Dave Fremers from Toledo. He was the guy talking. He was that F-18 pilot, that Tic Tac. You saw it. His father was also a past master of one of our local lodges here. And as he mentioned, he was in the fire department. And Commander Dave uh, was born here in Toledo. And he lives in Maine or New Hampshire right now. His mother uh, is out in California. But yeah, he has an intensive website, extensive uh, website that I believe you've looked at. Yes. Reached out, you see right there, part of it. Thank you very much. Bernie helped me out with that one. That's pretty rad, right? I didn't know that. Bernie didn't know about my theory about Masons, right? I think we're just cool enough guys that we can kind of get along and we figure it out, right? So basically, this thing happened to Framer in 2004, and he's like, nobody did anything about this since 2009. They didn't even come and ask me about it. We, we submitted the report. They took our tapes and it disappeared. We were just like, be quiet. Don't talk about it. Until Elizondo came and talked to him. So being this, and kind of everybody knows I'm the UFO guy, everybody wants to tell me their story and tell me what they're into. A lot of guys are military, ex-military, pilots, things like that. My brother sent me this, he wanted to remain anonymous. Obviously, like I said, the stigma, right? But I wanted to share this. This is recent. This happened 
November. The Red Eye. The West Coast and the East Coast over Lake Michigan. until 2019 that the Air Force actually allowed pilots to make official reports without getting grounded first. They get grounded and psyche bail. Basically, if you see something that's not what we want you to see, you're crazy. Tim Bohat, Robertson panel, you're going to sit down and you're not going to say shit. And we're going to, if you're going to play ball with this, we'll let you fly again. Still happens to this day, right? Okay. Is this all right? Yeah. Go this one again. I was, I was going to turn off the lights. So okay. So this one is something that I experienced with about eight other Freemasons. Uh, down south Ohio, some of them may or may not be in the truth. 
Um, this is my channel. I put it on there. I'll fast forward a little bit because I changed the name or I changed the uh, voice and everybody because they didn't want to so be. Uh, they didn't want to be. Uh, basically, uh, hear what's going on. Yeah, because it, it was going pretty fast and it just slowed way down. Didn't it? So I'm going to cut us rambling, right? So basically we went down there and we did this thing um, called a CE5 protocol. What it is is basically we sat in a group and we had, we just meditated. We sat there and just meditated with ourselves, played some like meditation music, and we just wanted to like open ourselves up to say, hey, if there's anything out there, it could be prayer, it can call it prayer. Just like, hey, if there's anything out there, come hang out. I want, you know, I want to see you. We don't, you know, just no. you can't have any fear, you can't be scared of anything, you know, just putting it out in, in, into the universe. Show up, we want to talk to you, we want to hang out with you. Two nights in a row, we did this, and these things showed up. They're orange balls, orbs, is one, what people call them. They're big, glowing. In some of these, in some of this footage, you can see the planes flying by, blinking lights, you can see the planes. This is an helicopter, thing stops every once in a while. Moves. Got to the point, um, I have a, this is a colored night vision camera that I have. I got to the point where I just got tired of filming it, so I was handing it around to the guys. Because, hey, look at it through the camera, right? But you didn't need the night vision camera, it looked like that. Bright, giant orange ball. I had a guy reach out to me that I'm pretty sure works for some type of agency. They asked me for the longitude and latitude and the exact time and date of this thing, and I was like, okay, cool. Tell me that's a satellite or something. A month later, he's like, nothing was in the airspace. Nothing was around anything that you were there where you're at. Nothing correlates to that at all. Cool, thanks. That's just me with a high-powered flashlight shining it at this thing. But like I said, two nights in a row, uh, this showed up. And all we did is sit around in a group, about 20 minutes, quiet, meditated, and just said, hey, show up if you're here. So we could do this. We could all do this. It's a protocol called CE5. It's um, basically the term now is is uh, human-initiated uh, contact, H uh, HIC, right? So any of the, you guys can do this tonight. Go sit in your backyard and meditate. These things show up. Another one quick. Uh, there's all these guys started talking about in the past year, right? UAPTF started happening. Um, all these lawmakers. To, uh, talk about UFOs now. The, the laws of physics that govern aviation and is in U.S. airspace, I think it's something we need to get to the bottom of. You know, there's a stigma on Capitol Hill. I mean, some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic and some kind of, you know, giggle when you when you bring it up. But I, I don't think we can allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question. I want us to take it seriously and have a process to take it seriously. I want us to have a process to analyze the data every time it comes in, that there be a place where this is cataloged and constantly analyzed until we get some answers. Well, I think broadly speaking, the fact that um, we have um, a team that's actively working on a report, um, certainly the safety of our personnel, security of our operations, our airspace are of paramount concern, uh, whether that is identified or unidentified aircraft. Um, and we don't discuss that publicly uh, for a range of reasons, but uh, certainly the president supports the ODNI uh, putting together a report and following through on that commitment. There's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved, their trajectory. Uh, they, they did not have um, 
an easily explainable pattern. And so, you know, I, th I think that we're, uh, people still take seriously trying to investigate and figure out what that is. Uh, but I have nothing to report to you today. It's okay. So, presidents, all the, lots of presidents, right? Reagan, Carter, Truman, Ford. All these guys talked about it before. In and out of office. Ford, before he was elected, was um, from Michigan, and he was uh, that whole 66 um, uh, swamp gas thing. He was pissed. He went back there and said, how can you guys do this? You have all these people who are mad. He was like, I think he was a congressman or senator at the time. He's like, well, you guys are just doing this to my constituents. When I'm, he's like, when I get in there, he's like, we assume that everybody who's seen a UFO is an unreliable witness. I think we owe it to the people to establish credibility regarding UFOs and produce the greatest possible enlightenment on the subject. He got into the presidency and didn't say anything. I told him to shut up. The president's there for four years, maybe eight. And this thing goes way deeper than that. And he's just basically a temporary employee, right? Mm. So they don't want to run his mouth off to ruin 70 years of the cover-up, right? This is what's weird. This is what's going on really, really recently. You're the former director of the CIA. Two former directors of the CIA came out and said, yeah, I think that um, it's pretty arrogant for us to believe that there's no other life forms anywhere in the universe. Another guy, Wolseley, basically said that you know, he was a long-time skeptic. He wasn't talking anything about it. He was like, yeah, there could be something out there. Maybe there's some other worldly explanations for this. Ratcliffe was Trump's uh, national intelligence director. He's been on all kinds of podcasts, TV shows. Um, he's been on CNN, Fox, talking about it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we got, we see things. He kind of slipped up and said, we've seen things on satellite. Nobody's heard that or seen that before, right? And Bill Nelson, Army vet, former senator, ex-astronaut, head of NASA, is like, yeah, who am I to say the planet Earth is the only location of life form that is civilized and organized like ours? They're all playing ball now. Something's going on where all of these guys are coming out and talking about it. So here's where we're at. We have this horribly named new group that investigates UFOs, right? It's the AOIMSG. Rolls off the tongue. Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Mm -hmm. We named it the dumbest thing so nobody would talk about it. Like, it was, oh, yeah, you guys go to the AOMSG party the other night? Yeah, MSG. I had it in my suit. But so they hate that. They came out with this a uh, week before the preliminary Pentagon report um, in June last year it came out to try to get ahead of it. Department of Defense and Intelligence Agencies, they're all fighting with each other about who's keeping a secret and why. So guess what? It got signed into law, though, and October 31st, they got a brief Congress this year. They told us about, uh, I guess, Mel and Elizondo are the ones that really pushed it through. They're doing briefings behind closed doors, the senators, congressmen, and all these things. They're actually getting the pilots. They got the pilots in front of all these uh, congressmen and senators, and they're like, look, this is real. This is the guy who saw this thing. It's not bullshit. And now Congress cares. Right? The senator's there. So, basically, Sylvia Van just came out and said this. Hey, yeah, we did this. We created the UAPTF to the stars. We can continue to keep doing this. We're pushing it. We're going to keep collecting evidence. We're going to keep giving it to the government. We keep pushing it to come out. This is real fast. I'm going to go through this. But basically, 2007, there was a program that was created. 2008 was another add-on. 2007. So, all this stuff was going on in secret. Project Blue Book was closed now since 68. But in the secret, in the background, the government was still studying this stuff. 2017 happened, got everybody excited about it. The videos were declassified, the UAP task force in June. This is moving quick. December, uh, NDAA was signed to create this new group. And just two weeks ago, Biden signed this to create the, uh, the AOIMSG. Right? 
This is the preliminary report, June 25th, 2021, that came out. They had to do this from the previous year's legislation. They had to come out and it had to be public. There's a classified version and an unclassified version. There's 144 um, incidents they looked at from 2004 to 2021, and they couldn't figure out 143 of them. One of them was a balloon, believe it or not. So that's the good answer. Uh, so they were like, yeah, these things are probably physical objects because we see them on visual, radar, all these different sensors, and we don't know what they are. So 143 of them. And now just uh, the beginning, so this is 3-6, okay? So this is the 6th of this month. What they're trying to do is classify all the data that's in any of these reports again. They're going to classify all of it. They're going to change the classification so that we're not going to see anything, right? They still have a mandate for Congress. Congress is briefed that they have a security clearance or they're briefed behind closed doors. They can still see the uh, cla on, you know, classified report. Public's not going to get it. That's what they're trying to do. So Mellon's out here writing articles for The Hill saying, hey, we're, this is hindering our classification. It's going to go right back to where it was. This is what, so this is a Freedom of Information Act released last week. This is the classified version of that bill. This is what they gave us. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, we gave the report. Five words there. So Mellon is basically saying this subject is going to go right to the back page of the newspaper because nothing is going to come out anymore. All the stuff that they released in 2017, the classification wasn't classified. There was no systems or signals or anything that would, you know, tell Russia or China any of our systems. So this is the grading. This is how you're supposed to classify. This is a security classification guide for the Navy for, U, for UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. They won't even tell you what the classification is. Like, hey, this is our classification scale. It's all black. They won't even tell you how to classify it. The problem this is pretty much true. This is the government on your folks. Hey, we're not hiding anything. We gave you all the documents, right? Yeah. So that's what's going on. So 53 years after Blue Book, we got that report. 25th of 21. So, yep, UAP are real. We don't know what they are. And they're not US. And they might be Chinese or Russian. But we got to figure it out. Because if it is China or Russia, we're screwed. These things can do the things that we've been reported on, we're done. Decided to turn on us and use it. So, there's two serious scientific groups Galileo Project and the SCU. They've gathered together some real serious people. Galileo Project is Professor Avi Loeb. He is a Harvard astronomy uh, professor, tenured, who has this giant team now of people looking at this from a scientific perspective. Harvard's looking at it for real. They're looking at data. They're looking at hard data. They're trying to create things to be able to see it all in the sky and explain it. They want to say if it's something explainable, they can. The SCU is a scientific coalition. If you study these are guys who are in the government or still in the government, another thing, they're doing it the same way. They, could, they conduct scientific examination of UAPs, right? The scientific principles, methods, practices, and study. They've contracted for the government. The government's contracted them to do things. Put this in there because I've been the weird guy my whole life. I cared about this shit. I mean, everybody thought I was crazy, right? Because the Robinson panel, Tom didn't, Uncle Tom, my dad didn't, because my dad saw all stuff. And me, I didn't see anything really until 2017 myself with my wife, and she still won't admit it to this day. With me and her in the room, she wanted to admit that we saw orange balls, like I showed you before, coming across the river with mommy on the way home from her parents' house one night. It scared the shit out of her. She was driving. She was really scared. But she looks at me, and just me and her in the room, and she still has a hard time admitting it because she was scared. And that does that to some people. It scares other people. It makes them excited and into it. Then when Stella saw the two UFOs, there's no denying it now because all the neighbors are there. <laughs> Everybody, she's been cool about it, but she's scared. It's be yourself in the world constantly trying to make you something else. It's the greatest accomplishment. I think that's what DeLong was doing. I think DeLong said, screw it. I'm just going to go for it. 
he quit his band. He quit Blink-182. It was one of the biggest bands around. He was making millions of dollars just touring. He said, screw it, I'm going to do this. He quit his band to do this, to make this happen. So what he's saying is you're looking at history of mankind, archaeology, archaeological evidence, religious texts, national security, physics, unified theory theory, quantum theory, all of it goes together. It's more than what we think it is. It's not just things in the sky. What he's basically saying is I've been doing this project and the breakthrough of all the stuff we had. And what he wants to do is tell everybody, hey, look, um, I want everybody that's a look at the DOD and what they've done in the good money. He wants to flip it around. He's like, we've been doing it in secret because it's a really big ongoing issue that's really scaring the shit out of some people and it's really not the best of things at sometimes. We've spent lots of money. We've had some big, some breakthroughs. We can't tell everybody about it because we can't figure it out yet. We really don't know all about it. But what he's saying is like, these guys go, and girls go do these things every day so that we can go play baseball, watch football, do those things and not worry about it. But there's some nasty stuff going on. So, I've been rambling a lot. I really appreciate you guys' patience. So what can you do? If you give a shit, hey, Bob Letta's brother. I email him all the time. Bob Letta was cool enough to send me this letter right before the UATPF was announced probably about a couple days or something. He said, hey, this is going on. We've actually got a task force now and we study it, so that was cool. And Sherrod Brown gave me the form letter, but at least he responded. So, what can you do? Write, call him, tell him you care. I did, I do it all the time. So I helped him make the decisions. Move the stigma. People have the uh, X-Files theme when you think about UFOs and aliens. That's what they want. Remember the Robinson panel. That's what they want you to do. They think it's crazy that you want to pay attention. Open your mind. Reach out to me. <laughs> you the other brothers. Seriously. If you guys know something or want to talk about it, I'm always excited to talk about it and be into it. And uh, Father Bob. <coughs> so I think I got a couple more slides. So basically what... Delong has figured out after all this stuff, and he said some of this stuff and, and it's been taken off the internet. So I've gone through the internet archive and pulled some of this stuff out because once you started working with the government, they're like, you can't be out there telling people this stuff. So it's like, this has been a really hard game that's been played since the 80s. The CIA is interested um, in UFO research civilian groups, they infiltrated it. It's a psychological operation. They were scared that we were going to be like gullible and have the Russians come in and like create more of the worlds for us. They thought that because everybody thought UFOs were going to come in and Russia's going to lose those guys. Um, so the CIA was like, we're going to make everybody go crazy. At least it's controlled, and we're in charge. And then we're going to slowly let people know that it's real. But don't worry, we're building something in secret to protect us. So that's one of the things I didn't put in the slide, but from DeLong has hit it on, that it's taken us all this time since Roswell and before then to figure out how this shit works. And maybe we've created something that works on the same principles and properties and physics that these things do. Because if they were coming to attack us, we'd have to fight them with what they fight us with, right? Or if Russia got their hands on it and did the same thing, how would we protect ourselves? So this is Freemasonry and UFOs. Free, you know, Masonry is mystery hidden in symbology. You know, there's far more than appears in the ritual and ceremonies in the lodge. Every time I sit in a lodge, opening and closing the lodge, anytime I'm here, I, I pick up on little things. You new guys, I'm excited for you to, to pick out stuff. And some of the guys have been Masons for 50 years, still can learn something in the rituals. The UFOs are symbols that are hidden in plain sight. They're out there. It's a symbol. What is it a symbol of? What does it mean to each one of you when you see it? It invokes something that scares the hell out of my life. To me, I get excited. It's different. There's possibilities. So, a theory is consciousness is the key. All these things operate in the realm of consciousness. So, today's a good day to remember the Freemasonry and make lasting friendships with people from all walks of life. We meet as equal, whether they're race, religion, or position in society. And I thank you very, very much for listening to me ramble out about this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Very much.
Mike, questions? John, just uh, you know, there is one swamp in Michigan. It's called Ann Arbor. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, if you guys want to like talk to me not in front of everybody or whatever, if you guys know somebody or knew something, or if you just actually a, know something, tell me. Just a confusion point. Yeah. You talk about uh, uh, being out in the yard and meditating and the, the orbs come. Yeah. Now, the two airline pilots in Michigan, I don't think were meditating. No, right. They saw the object. So right. What, what brings the object out? So there's a couple things that they know. They baited them, right? They admit they, there's people that, like Lou Alexander was admitted, and Russia's done this and actually got some people killed, was that these things show up wherever there's nuclear, anything nuclear, nuclear carrier groups, nuclear power, and anything. Nuclear, so Davis Bessey, right? Anything on the lake, anything that has nuclear power going on, these things are always around. Water seems to be the other thing. Any big bodies of water, lakes, oceans, things like that, they tend to, they tend to be spotted. There's a video I didn't show of a ball, one of these orbs. Um, they're tracking it, maybe. See it? They say splash, it goes into the water, it doesn't even slow down, boom. Comes out of the water and getting out of the water it doesn't. It's trains medium they call it. Can be air, space, air, water. So any of those things happen. I don't know. There's theories about what happens with water, but they know for a fact that they can bait it with nuclear technology. The Russians would do that because they're trying to shoot them down to get ideas of what the craft were. Uh, planes that blown up, shot down because of it. A lot of Russians died actually. We found that out in 1990 when the, um, the Soviet Union collapsed and. Some guys got some documents out, but yeah, it's, a, it's like it's not all roses, you know. DeLong has said some things that the reason they're keeping it secret is not because they don't want us to know; it's because there's some bad stuff that possibly goes along with it. You're not ready for it. Yep. I've actually tried the um, the meditation protocol. I actually learned it from Dr. Stephen Greer. Right. Yeah. And um, I've tried it twice. Yep. It's worked both times. It has. Yeah. Yeah. Both times. And I also um, know a lot about Tom DeLong as well. Oh, cool, man. I've been studying this, and I've been a huge fan of him for about almost 20 years now. That's right. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was amazing. Did a song on one of the first albums called Aliens, Aliens Exist. Just hilarious. It was a punk rock song about aliens exist. Yeah. And, but he's been into it. Like, he, uh, he did it. That's awesome. Yeah, the C5 thing works, literally. And the thing is, is if there's more people and you're into it, you're not doing it as a jokey thing, it like amplifies it. So like I said, there was eight of us or whatever, and it was just within 20 minutes of us doing it. We're just sitting around being quiet, meditating, and boom, showed up. This is a fun time. Any other questions for John? No? Nothing. Guys, we appreciate you coming out. I do have a couple quick announcements. Number one. Um, if you could, we have two Bibles that we would really appreciate that you sign. Our two new Master Masons, we'll have them out in hand. 